Good to be back in LaGrange, Georgia. And uh, somebody said that uh, if I preach too long, they put the ball game up on the screen. That ain't going to be a ball game. That's going to be a massacre. Clemson's going to get the devil beat out of them. I'm going to tell you right now. Because you're pulling for them. Cut me back up. And uh, now I'll say that. And uh, they'll win by a big margin. I remember the first time Clemson uh, played Alabama. I'm sorry I brought that up. And uh, this old boy come up to me in Greenville, South Carolina. Got right in my face. He said, Brother Joe, Clemson's going to beat Alabama for that championship. And I said, son, you listen to this prophet right here. That ain't going to happen in this world nor the world to come. It did. And I told my wife, I said, next year when I go preach at that church, I'm going to go in real late so I don't have to see that boy. And so I came in about 20 minutes late and I never did see him. And I asked the preacher, I said, well, that Matt boy, I said, he left the church. I said, thank God for that, amen. Yeah, that's exactly when I wrote that one. The book of Exodus tonight, chapter number one. Good to be in the house of the Lord on a rainy night in Georgia. And I appreciate it. How many are glad you're here tonight? How many of you are all here tonight? How many you feel like you're sitting beside somebody that's not all here tonight? How many feel like you're sitting beside somebody that ain't never been all here? Boy, we got some real close married couples in this room tonight. And uh, the Lord is good. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I was thinking today about all the people that God brings into your life to help you make the next step of the journey. And I, I came in a while ago and met your new youth pastor. Where are you at, son? He's, is he, there he is. And uh, Brother Haskett, his grandfather, Joe Haskett, Dr. Joe Haskett, was one of my professors in uh, Bible college, the very first one I went to, way up in Greensboro, North Carolina. Preached many meetings for his grandfather and his dad, I preached for him. He pastored down the road for my dad for a while. And then I got to thinking on his grandmother's side, her daddy, was the famous North Carolina mountain preacher, Brother Zeb McNairis. And uh, what a history you have, son. And uh, don't you let it down on your line. Keep waving high the flag of old-time religion. And God can use you in somebody's life. And I'm glad for the goodness of God tonight. The book of Exodus, chapter number 1. And I'll begin reading tonight in verse number 5. Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 5. And all of the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. For Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died and all of his brethren. And notice how it phrases this statement. And say it out loud with me. And all that generation. 
What does that little phrase mean, that generation? Well, I believe it means that particular generation that knew Joseph in a personal way. They were well acquainted with the fame and the life of Joseph and said when that generation finally died, notice what happens now down in verse number 8. Something I think very tragic takes place. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt. And I want you to read this phrase out loud with me. I believe it's one of the saddest phrases in all the Bible. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, say it with me now, which knew not Joseph. Say that with me again, which knew not Joseph. When that generation died, that new Joseph, in a personal way, it wasn't long till the whole nation was ruled by a tyrant, the Bible says, who knew not Joseph. And if you think that's bad, if you go over just a few chapters, when Moses goes to this tyrant, to this man by the name of Pharaoh and tries to persuade him to let the people go because he said, the Lord sent me over here. You remember what the man said to Moses? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice. And I want you to be seated tonight and I want you to pray for me. I preached this message several years ago across the country. The other night I was in my study and my heart was overwhelmed for our nation, America. I love living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I love the blessings, the flag, and all of that stands for. You burn a flag around me, you're going to get some red-blooded redneck coming out of me because I thank God for the land in which we live. I thank God for our heritage. And no matter what lie you have been told, this nation was founded. I'm telling you, this nation was founded by men and women that love God and believe the Bible. And whether modern day leaders want to own up to this or not, this is a Christian nation. Yes, we have sinned. Yes, we have grossly transgressed against God. But I believe there is another beacon of hope in this world tonight that shines forth the light of liberty and justice and it's the land of the free and the home of the brave. My heart is stirred every Sunday morning when I see a church like ours in a community where we are still filled with young people wanting to hear the word of God. I see young people scattered all over this building tonight and that touches, and notice this phrase, this old man, almost old man's heart. I'm not an old man yet, but I'm almost 
an old man. But it encourages me that on a rainy Monday night, there's a little boy, it's a little girl sitting in this room in an atmosphere conducive that God could just get a hold of them and do something great in their life. And I don't believe tonight the solution to America is in the White House. I don't believe the solution tonight is in none of the socialistic people uh, that's running on the other side. I don't believe the hope of America tonight is even downtown Atlanta. I believe the hope of America tonight is in this church and other churches like this and little families that's gathered in this room tonight because I still believe that he is a great and mighty God and he's able to do great and mighty things. And even though I preached this message several years ago, God birthed it in my heart again. And I thought, Lord, people are going to think I don't study. And about that time, the sovereign God of heaven says, do you want man's blessings or do you want mine? I said, Lord, here I go. Because I believe this message tonight is more pertinent for the hour than it has ever been before. And so the Lord being our helper for three or four hours tonight, as long as I can last on steroids, I want to preach tonight on the tragedy of not knowing Joseph. The tragedy of not knowing Joseph. We come to this text tonight, and you'll have to agree with me. Joseph, what a man. Joseph, what a life. Joseph, what a name. What a life that Joseph lived and what a legacy that Joseph left. You know the story of Joseph, how that providentially he found himself a captive in the land of Egypt. But remember what happened in the land of Egypt. God gave Pharaoh a dream and nobody could interpret that dream and God had Joseph brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Joseph told that king, he said, sir, you're going to have seven of the best years you've ever had in your life. But before you get happy about it, that's going to be followed by seven of the most famine years you've ever seen. And a perplexing look came upon Pharaoh's face. And he said, Joseph, what am I going to do? And Joseph gave him a plan. Save enough in the good time that you don't starve to death in the bad time. And God honored that plan. And Egypt had bread when no other nation around it had bread. Therefore, when the Bible says about Joseph that he was the savior of many people, that was a literal statement. God used this man in a way. I personally believe like he's used no one in the history of mankind. Do you realize tonight that God used Joseph in such a way that he saved an entire nation from starvation? God used this man in such a way that he saved an entire nation empire from extinction. If it had not been for Joseph, Egypt would have starved to death and 
faded off into oblivion like a lot of the other nations around them. And then when you really dig into this story, you find something else. When that famine was so sore that it even reached the land of Canaan where them Semites lived, where that seed that God was going to use thousands of years later to bring Jesus the Messiah, the anointed Christ into the world as saved sinners. God even saved that little nation from starvation through Egypt because God used Joseph in such a way. So therefore God not only used Joseph to save a nation, God literally used Joseph literally now to save a whole world and his time and thousands of years later. Now I said all that to say this. If there was a man on the scene in our day that was so blessed of God like Joseph was blessed of God, I believe we'd say like this, he the man. I mean, he would be the man. Why, his name would be on billboards. They would name bridges after him. They would name highways after him. They would dedicate buildings to his honor. Why, they would write books about him. They would write songs about him. They would even have bracelets that would say, uh, what would Joseph do? Because here is a man that had to be so popular, so well known. Why, this is the man that saved us from starvation. Here is the man that we owe our total existence to. Without a Joseph, there never would have been an Egypt. God used this man literally to save that nation. They owed their very existence to this little man by the name of Joseph. And I just believe, I just believe when Joseph was on that throne and his fame had permeated the land, everybody in Egypt knew who Joseph was. Will you agree with me? When Joseph was on that throne and his fame was throughout the land, everybody in Egypt knew who Joseph was. But yet I read in our text that one day in that very land that would not have existed were, was, were not for this man by the name of Joseph, in that very land all of a sudden their new prince, their new king, their new leader does not know who Joseph is at all. Let me ask you tonight, how do you forget somebody as wonderful as Joseph? Let me ask you this tonight, how do you forget someone that your family, your nation, your heritage, when everything that you love and hold dear would not be yours were not for Joseph. How do you ever forget 
the impact that a man like Joseph makes in a nation. How can a nation that owes their very existence to this man by the name of Joseph all of a sudden be ruled by people that have no idea who Joseph even is? I I, I done a little study the other day and this was appalling to me. They say from the time that Joseph died to this new king that came on the scene that didn't know Joseph, it was a period of less than 200 years. If that is the right number, and if 40 years is a generation, so in less than five, or actually 4.5 generations, a nation that would not exist were not for this man by the name of Joseph, in less than five complete generations, watch what they did. They went from knowing all about Joseph to some about Joseph to a little about Joseph to finally nothing about Joseph. Say that with me. A nation went from knowing all about Joseph to some about Joseph, to a little about Joseph, to nothing about Joseph. Say that with me again. They went from knowing all about Joseph to some about Joseph, to a little about Joseph, to nothing about Joseph. How many would agree with me tonight that it is tragic that a nation that would not even exist were not for Joseph in less than five generations went from knowing all about him to some about him to a little about him to nothing about him. Can I get a witness tonight that that is very tragic? You say, now what has that got to do with us? Well, I believe there was a time in the land of the free and the home of the brave, everybody knew who Jesus was. And we have lived and watched a progression in this nation. And I'm afraid tonight we have gone from knowing all about Jesus to some about Jesus to a little about Jesus and we are about to see the first generation in America that knows nothing about Jesus. Oh, we are about to see the first generation in America that is totally, absolutely removed from any resemblance, any heritage of who Jesus is. I, I was at a shopping mall the other day waiting upon my wife hours and hours and hours. My dad used to preach that a woman's place was in the home. Now we preach a woman's place is in the mall. But, but uh, I was waiting on Mrs. Arthur and, and I've got the gift of gab. I can walk up and talk to that wall 
And I walked up to these young people and uh, they were sitting around and man, they was all grooved out and I, I slid in there. I said, man, what are you doing? Got a conversation and finally one little boy looked at me. He said, sir, he said, what do you do? I said, well, sir, uh, I'm a pastor. He said, uh, what? I, I said, I'm a pastor. He said, uh, I don't believe I've ever heard of that before. He, he said, what is that? I said, sir, uh, I am a preacher. He said, you are a what? He said, I said, I am a preacher. He said, I, I don't think I've ever heard of one of them before. I, I said, well, I preach at a church uh, over here about five miles. He said, a what? I, I, I said, a church. And Brother Yancey, when that boy looked up at me and said, what is a church? I lost it. I didn't know what to say. I'd never had anybody in my lifetime not even know what, what a church is. And it hit me. I said, son, you see these buildings around town? And every once in a while, uh, you know, there'll be a, a, a stick on top of one of them and there'll be another stick on top of that and looks kind of like that. And finally he said this. He said, you mean a cross? I said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I said, that's called a church. And I said, and if it's a real one, I said, if it's a real one, I said, if it's a real one, every Sunday morning, there's a man in there with a book in his hand, hollering and screaming about Jesus, loving and saving sinners and getting a bunch of people ready to go to heaven. He said, wow, that sounds cool. I said, if you miss hell and get heaven, it is cool. Boy, I walked back to my car, Brother Charles, and I wept. I said, oh God, how can it be? A young teenage boy, five miles, five miles from Harvest Baptist Tabernacle where I've been the pastor for over 35 and a half years of my life. How in the world five miles from Harvest Baptist Tabernacle, a church that has touched the world with their mission program. How in the world can there be a 16-year-old boy five miles from Harvest Baptist Tabernacle that has no idea what a pastor is and no idea what a preacher is and it's never going to church and how many agree I'm surmising if he doesn't know what a preacher is and he doesn't know what a pastor is and he doesn't know what a church is, he probably doesn't know who Jesus is and God let me witness to him and all of his buddies and I just want to serve notice on the devil before I get to my next point. He may not have known what a preacher was before but when I left there he knew what one was because he got to hear one preach. I don't need a fancy pulpit. I mean right outside of South Lake Mall riding the dummy horse. I can preach on Calvary and the blood of Christ because I believe tonight everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is and I'm afraid tonight our country has gone from knowing all about Jesus to some about Jesus to a little about Jesus and we're about to produce a generation that knows nothing about Jesus. And you say, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Do you know what it's like not to know Joseph? 
It's not to know the one that was greatly loved of his father. Why not to know Joseph is not to know the one that was forsaken by his brothers. Why not to know Joseph was not to know the one that was put in a pit to suffer for the sins of others. Why not to know Joseph is not to know the one that didn't stay in the pit, but he got out of the pit. And, and not to know Joseph is not to know the one that went to the throne on the other side of the pit. And not to know Joseph is not to know the one that took a Gentile bride when he got to the throne. And not to know Joseph is not to know the one that had bread when nobody else had bread. And not to know Joseph is not to know the one that if anybody else had bread, they had to bow down to him to get the bread. While not to know Joseph is not to know the one that everybody that forsook him had to bow their knee before him and confess that he was Lord of the land. And not to know Joseph is not to know the one that saved much people alive. And not to know Joseph is not to know the one that built a place in the palace for all his family to dwell in safely as long as he lived. You said, preacher, that story sounds kind of familiar. Well, it ought to because the tragedy of not knowing Joseph pales in the light of the tragedy of not knowing Jesus. You say, well, what's the big deal about not knowing Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not to know Jesus is not to know the one that was greatly loved of his heavenly father. While not to know Jesus is not to know the one that in his baptism a voice spake from heaven that said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, but not to know Jesus is not to know the one that came into his own and his own received him not. Oh, but not to know Jesus is not to know the one that was impaled upon a cross and forsaken and left to die all alone for the sins and crimes of another. Other. But oh, not to know Jesus is not to know the one that didn't stay dead. But on the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. And not to know Jesus is not to know the one that went to the throne on the other side of the cross. Not to know Jesus is not to know the one that was highly exalted on the other side of his humiliation. Why not to know Jesus? Jesus is not to know the one that took a Gentile bride when he got to the throne. Why not to know Jesus is not to know the one that the very people that crucified him and forsook him one day will bow their knee and lift their voice and say Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why not to know Jesus is not to know
know the Savior of many people. Why not to know Jesus? Is not to know the one that's built a place in the palace for all of the family to dwell. They owe their life to Joseph and I owe my life to Jesus. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. They were ignorant to the story of Joseph. Can you imagine the leader of a nation that owes their existence to a man by the name of Joseph now says, I'm sorry, I don't know who Jesus is. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you're glad one day somebody told you who Jesus was. Anybody here glad you heard who Jesus was? They were ignorant to the story or the name of Joseph. But in our text tonight, notice what happens in the next verse. When this nation is ruled by people who don't know Joseph, Notice how they treat Joseph's seed that is left behind. Now, what did Pharaoh do to the Israelites after Joseph died? He enslaved them for 450 years. He took their homes. He took their freedoms. He took their freedoms He took their freedoms. He enslaved their kids for generations to come and thousands and thousands of Hebrew boys and girls were born in bondage and they lived in bondage and they died in bondage because when a nation is ruled by people who don't know Joseph, they don't know Joseph's family. Someone said, I don't understand why the church and Christians are looked upon like they are in this world today. As dumb as I am, I got that figured out. Because when you don't know Joseph, you don't know his children. And when you don't know Jesus, you don't know his children. Son, I was riding down the road the other day on Interstate 75, Something out of this text hit me, and before I realized it, I was going 95. And this man pulled me over on a blue light special, and I tried to share this truth with him. He was not a bit impressed. I was all grace, and he was all law. You'll get that in a minute. But you know what amazed me? at least Joseph's kin was still hanging around. Why they thought when Joseph died and all them old fogies died, they thought when Joseph died and all them Josephites died, they'd be rid of that outfit. And they looked around one day and said, Dear God, them Joseph fans are still here. Them Joseph freaks are still here. 
Them Josephites are still here. You know what amazes this old modern day crazy way out there apostate, diabolical, I'm trying to use good terms, stupid world. There are still people in it that believe in Jesus. There are still people in it that believe the Bible. There are still people in it that pray in Jesus' name. And they'll say, oh God, Elizabeth, call 911. This is the big one. Surely in 2020, in the Google age, in the wild word web age, in this day of enlightenment, surely nobody's left that believes in Jesus. Surely nobody's left that still believes the Bible. Surely nobody's left that still prays in Jesus' name. Hey, wrong, 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 wrong. We may be few and we may be faint and we may be getting less in number, but we're still hanging around just to aggravate the devil in this crowd. And I want to serve notice on this Monday night. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Ghost. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe the Bible. I still pray in Jesus' name. And I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. We're still here. Well, glory. I was over there in Texas the other day and had to get my hair cut. Now, don't you laugh. See? Ball-headed people have to get a haircut too. We got to keep what we got. I actually thought about cutting it all off, but this section here Letting it grow about three feet, roll around like I told a Khamenei or somebody. Come over, brush over, do over. But I said to the pastor, I said, I need a haircut. He said, well, my wife cuts my hair. He said, but I'll take you to the only place I know of. Well, when you pull up into this place where you've never been to get a haircut, and the name of it is The Mad Hacker, That ought to tell you something right there. And when you walk in and there's these three ugly women, I mean three nice ladies, and they got them capes on like Batman, and they come out with a pair of clippers and a pair of scissors under God, it looks that long. And one of them said, what do you want? Haircut. Sit down right there. Boy, she put that thing around me and she starts whacking and talking to them other ladies. I'm going to tell you something. Most ladies I know can't drive and talk. I know they can't can't cut hair and talk. Say amen right there. I'm not afraid of you, sister. And boy, just like all beauty parlors, Honey, if you want to know what's going on in town, don't you listen to the radio. Don't you read the newspaper. Don't you read the internet. You go to your local hair fakes. You'll find out stuff you don't want to know. You'll find out stuff Paul didn't even write about in the Word of God. 
Boy, I was sitting there, Brother Yancey, and the subject of church came up. And I thought I'd just be quiet because she did have the clippers. <laughs> Never argue with a woman with a pair of clippers that long. You hear me? Boy, the subject of church came up. And she said to those ladies, she said, you guys are not going to believe this. She said, my neighbor invited me to go to church the other day and I went to this church and it was awful. It was appalling. She said, I had my little girl with me and said, you guys are not going to believe this, but that preacher got up and literally yelled at those people. <laughs> that preacher got up there and he was so into it, he literally sweated. He said, that preacher must have been thirsty. He got to preaching so fast, just white foam came out of his mouth. And he preached on hell, fire, and brimstone and told us we were going to go there if we didn't accept his God. And she said, you know what I'd done? I took my fingers and I put them in my little girl's ear I didn't want her to be traumatized by such foolishness. Boy, they're just sitting there looking around. About that time, the mad herker looked at me. She said, hey, you. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you go to church? I said, yes, ma'am. Does your preacher yell? I said, yes, ma'am. Does your preacher sweat? I said, sometimes when he's on steroids. <laughs> she said, does your preacher froth at the mouth? I said, that ain't froth. That's milk from Canaan's land. But anyway, <laughs> yes. She says, does your preacher, does he preach on hell? I said, yes, ma'am. Does he tell people they'll go there if, he don't, if they don't accept his God? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, hmm. She said, who's your preacher? I thought, oh, God. I'm not going to die in a plane crash. I'm not going to die in an automobile accident. I'm going to die in a barber chair with the mad hacker rolling my head. And boy, I looked at them clippers. Them clippers got bigger and bigger. About that time, a case of Holy Ghost boldness come on me. I said, I'm not going to pull a Simon Peter, bless God, and deny my Lord. I said, ma'am, I'll tell you who my preacher is. You're cutting his hair. She said, oh, my God. I said, yeah, I preach about him too sometime. And then I got real bold. And I said, now do I preach like that? I said, all my buddies preach like that. And my daddy preached like that. And my papa preached like that. And then I got even more bold. And I said, by the way, let me ask you something. Do you let your little girl watch vampire movies, listen to rock music, play on the internet unsupervised? Well, yeah. I said, well, I promise you this. That old-fashioned preacher in that church begging God for her soul and wanting her about heaven and hell will not traumatize her near as bad as that mess you're exposing her to. Then I got... 
Then I got real bold and I said, in fact, the matter, honey, it used to traumatize me too. But one day the peace of God that passes all understanding came into my soul and I'm not traumatized. I've got peace with God. I got the peace of God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. The reason why this world don't appreciate the church, they don't appreciate who Jesus is. Hallelujah. I was sitting in a restaurant one day, and I know you're supposed to mind your own business, but sometimes you can't help it. These guys behind me, they were saying like, I hate preachers, and I hate them old Christians. Said so that old church we got in town, they made such a fit at school. They don't they they won't even have practice on Wednesday night because all them church people won't go to church. I thought, glory to God, give us some more churches that's got some impact in some communities in which we live. And while I'm on that subject, I'm gonna tell you this, and I don't have to PR Faith Baptist Church. I preached 20, 20 plus revivals here. I don't have to PR this church. But there's not many churches in America that I know of that have the influence in their city that your church has. You've done more than reach your four walls. Everybody in LaGrange may not go to Faith Baptist Church. Everybody in LaGrange may not even like Faith Baptist Church. But they know who you are and they know who you serve and they know who Jesus is. Oh, you go to that church over there that sings about Jesus. You go to that church over there that makes much about Jesus. Yeah, I'm glad I go to church where we sing about Jesus and we talk about Jesus and we lift up Jesus. I wonder if we got any Jesus fans in this room tonight. You love him. You praise him. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Charles, about that time, one of them said to the other, I just wish there wasn't no Christians, no churches around anywhere. That was it. I turned around, I said, boys, hold on. Your wish is about to come true. What? I said, because when Jesus splits the eastern sky, all the Christians are going to be leaving and you can have this place. Oh, the reason why the church is in the shape it's in tonight because we live in a society that doesn't know Jesus. And when they don't know Jesus, they don't know the people of Jesus. But you know what? What a wonderful time to step out of the shadow and step out on the main stage and say, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Preacher, we've never had a more hungry society to know who Jesus is. We've got the greatest opportunity to impact the world than the church has ever had. For the darker the night, the brighter the light. They were ignorant to the story of Joseph. They were insensitive to the family of Joseph. Number three tonight, they ignored the God of Joseph. Now, that was a time in our country 
that a man of God could say what I'm about to say and it would not have been considered politically incorrect. But sad to say, preacher, in our modern day society, what I'm about to say can get a man thrown out of a lot of places, even some churches. But it's still the truth. You listen to me? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Because Pharaoh did not know Joseph. Listen, he did not know Joseph's God. Can I say to this world tonight, you don't know Jesus. You don't know God. You don't have Jesus. You don't have God. You don't love Jesus. You don't love God. Because the only road that leads to the throne of God is the way of the cross and the way of the blood. And Jesus is the way, the only way. And there is no other way. This man not only doesn't know Joseph or Joseph's people, but he is now totally ignorant of a higher being. And I'm not going to preach long right here, but you listen to me. You know what Egypt did when they lost all concept of a higher power? They made themselves the higher power. You know what you do? You know what you do when you don't know God? You substitute him for something fake and you call it God. Someone said, what do you think make Egypt worship the sun and the moon and the cows and the lice and the frogs and the rivers and the lakes and the oceans? Because they didn't have a real God. They had to make them a false and a fake and a frivolous and a phony God. When I was in seminary, we did Old Testament civilization. And, and my professor said, I couldn't believe it. He said, Egypt was one of the most wise, influential, intelligent kingdoms of the known world. Now, to somebody in Harvard, that may sound real, but from a redneck who was born in Virginia and raised by real rednecks in Georgia, <laughs> that don't make no sense. How in the world can Egypt be smart at all? Anybody dumb enough to worship a frog ain't smart to me. Hello, anybody that'll worship a cow ain't smart to me. Cows ain't made to worship, they're made to kill and eat. Hello, 
And you say, well, I'm a vegetarian. That's why you look like you're a wormy. And you listen to me tonight. I know fat people get out of breath sometimes, but, but I'm telling you, skinny people are hateful because they're hungry and they're ill. Come on now, we're having fun. They say, oh, Brother Arthur, how in the world do you shoot something as beautiful as a deer? Well, number one, you get a gun. Bam! He said, oh, Brother Arthur, I don't believe in being cruel can I just tell you that Big Mac you ate this morning did not grow on a Big Mac tree? Somebody's Betsy had to give up her hind quarters for your Big Mac. You know why we live in a nation that worships trees and animals and people and whatever else they can make a phony God out of. Because when you don't know the real God, you about make a God out of most anything else. But I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you're glad for that day. The Holy Spirit dealt with your heart and you turned from a fake God and a phony God and an idol God and a frivolous God and the God that lives down in your soul. He's not fake. He's not phony. He's not a fairy tale, but he's real and he's alive and he's holy and God lives in you. They ignored the God of Joseph. But in closing tonight, God got their attention. He sent a man down there called a deliverer, an emancipator by the name of Moses. And it wasn't long that they knew that there was a God in heaven. And just hold on tonight, church. God is about to get this world's attention because he's about to send another heavenly Moses, a heavenly emancipator. And this time we ain't going to the wilderness. We ain't even going to Canaan's land. We're going to glory. And when this world is on fire, they're going to know that there is a God in heaven. Let me have four good-sized young men to help me here. One, two, three. Seth, you be number four. And y'all come up here. And pretty boy, you come be half. That boy looks like Al Gore coming here. God bless you, son. Come on up here, boys. Face the congregation just like this. It's going to be simple. And none of y'all ain't on union time, are you? Okay, here we go. Let's say it's four and a half generations. From the time, Pastor, when the whole nation of Egypt has a personal experience with Joseph to four and a half generations where you mention his name and they're like, who's that? How in the world do you go to knowing all about Joseph? 
to nothing about Joseph. I do know this tonight. If he knew all about Joseph, and if he'd have told him all about Joseph, he'd have known all about Joseph. And if he would have told him all about Joseph, he'd have known all about Joseph. And if he would have told him all about Joseph, he would have known all about Joseph. And if he would have told him all about Joseph, he'd have known all about Joseph. And if he would have told him and he would have told him, and he would have told him, and he would have told him, and that one would have told that one, and that one would have told that one, and that one would have told that one. There never would have been, by God help me here tonight, there never would have been a generation that didn't know who Joseph was. You say, what's that got to do with us? All we need to do is lose one generation and the next thing you know, we've gone from knowing all about Jesus to some about Jesus to a little about Jesus to nothing about Jesus. May there never be a generation of boys and girls in the United States of America that have no idea who Jesus is. And it's up to us. It's up to us. Boy, I got down in my study and I said, oh God, all of the little boys and girls that flock in his church house to hear me preach every Sunday may not have one leave and not know who Jesus is. I have four or five schools right around the area of our church. And some mornings, I'd just get up and park and watch the school crossings to thousands of thousands. Oh God, please let that little church on the hill be a beacon of light in a dark world so everybody knows who Jesus is. When I first started preaching at Faith Baptist Church, whew, I was in my 30s. Some of you remember what a hunk I was. And now you see what a chunk I am. Yeah, buddy, and time has made a change in you too, big boy. When I first started preaching here, my son and my daughter were just little children. Now they're mamas and daddies. And now this almost old man I thought I was going to be in diapers before I had grandchildren. You'll get that in a minute. And now I've got four beautiful, did I tell you, beautiful. Boys, listen, four beautiful, well, glory to God, beautiful granddaughters. They're good looking like their grandmother and intelligent like their mother. And the other day, Brother Charles, I was holding one of them in my arms and I got to crying. 
Miss Arthur come by and said, dear God, what you crying about? I said, I want her to be saved. She said, well, Joe, she's only two years old. I said, I'm claiming her for God anyway. I don't want my babies. I don't want my babies to grow up in a society where there are no churches open. Why is there's no old time preachers preaching salvation through the blood of Christ? Because outside of the blood of Christ, there is no salvation. Because I don't want them to live in a society. You're neither your kids and has no idea who Jesus is. Pastor, I want you to come. I just believe tonight if I do my part and you do your 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 part and you do and you do and you do and you do it's possible that there'll never be a little boy in LaGrange that don't know who Jesus is. Can I ask you this tonight in closing? Is not the next generation worth seeking revival for? I believe it is tonight. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Lord, uh, whatever price we got to pay, Whatever burden we got to bear, whatever battle we got to fight, whatever prayer we got to pray, whatever commitment we got to make, whatever cross we got to carry. Oh God, help us to expend ourselves so there'll never be a generation that doesn't know who Jesus is. God, send Holy Spirit revival again. And may it begin in us tonight. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, holy, sovereign, eternal name. In Jesus' name.